Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a stutter and go across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Well, Matt, sometimes I put the stutter and stutter and go. So um, I'm excited to be here, though. Uh, it is, I've worn a, an article of Georgia clothing every day this week. So I don't know if you could tell, I don't know if that means I'm excited or not. Um, I, th- I think that means you're excited, but I wonder what you could possibly be excited for. I don't know. Who knows? Just, uh, maybe, maybe the basketball game against, uh, Southwest, uh, Louisiana Tech <laughs> University. <laughs> Institute of Technology. Yes. Um, well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who knows that it's not eggnog unless it has booze in it. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Well, interesting side note about eggnog with alcohol in it. I tried a couple Christmases ago to put in some brandy into mm-hmm. store-bought eggnog. It didn't taste good. I think to get the recipe in the mix right, you need to homemade eggnog. But who has time for that? So I just buy the pre-boozed up stuff. Oh, I'm uh, I, I'm a big fan of if the brandy's not working right, uh, you can always go down to the Bailey's Irish Cream inside of the eggnog. That's always a, a, a nice little uh, a, a nice little life hack for you right there. Um, anyhow, um, I might be drinking a few of those this weekend. Uh, Ooh, watching, a Christmas party? Uh, well, it's a housewarming slash holiday party that I will definitely be going to. Coach, I know you and your wife are invited too. I don't know if we'll be seeing you there, but um, yeah, we're 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 coming. Um, I unfortunately, it's at right around the same time of the SEC title game. Yeah, that's going to be uh, yeah, LSU's in that one. Who's the other team? I wonder. Um, probably Arkansas. No, probably, no. I think they're both Bandy. in the. I think they're Bandy. both in the Southern Division. Yeah, Bandy, Bandy's definitely... It's not UT. It's Kentucky. <laughs> oh, okay, that's right. That's right. That's right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Obviously, rock, we are all rock talking. Chalk, wa- rock chalk, wild hawk. Go chalk, wild hawk. <laughs> Go UK. <laughs> um. So, uh, on that note, how many fan obvi- bases can we offend in our cold open? Uh, a lot. Is the answer a lot? We can keep going if you want. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, before the show even started, we were talking about Liberty making Hugh Freeze rich, er, than he already is. Liberty, 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 <laughs> Liberty. Freezes, freezes, baby! All hail to Lord Freezes of Liberty University. <laughs> Gonna make you a very rich man. Don't take any other job, please. 
<laughs> we'll give you all the burners you want. We'll give you as many as many cell phones as you want. And we'll, we 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 have we have a slush fund for um, some of those uh, accounts that you will need to charge up. Anyhow, um, it is championship week. Uh, if you guys uh, tuned in earlier in the week, you noticed that we did a Black Monday pod. Um, we will revisit it. We will revisit the coaching uh, shenanigans uh, next week. But for right now, uh, we need to do a brief, brief recap of last week's action and get into one of the most fun Saturdays on the calendar, championship week. Last week, though, was rivalry week. And, uh, Coach, you had a little good old-fashioned, clean old-fashioned hate, I should say, uh, down in the state of Georgia, and it wasn't very close. It wasn't very close, and it wasn't very clean either. Uh, George Pickens uh, kind of headlined that by uh, slamming a tech player into the wall at first, uh, WWE style. He'll be suspended for the first half of the LSU game. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was a game that Georgia needed desperately. They put 52 points on the board, so that's got to feel good no matter how you do it. Uh, got off to a sluggish start. Uh, that's been kind of their MO, but defense did its thing and made sure that the slow start didn't affect them. And then they got rolling in the second half, and once they got hot, they got real hot, and it was good. It was on from there. It was. It was. Well, let's fast forward then to this coming weekend because you mentioned they'll be playing LSU. Uh, Coach, the, uh, the, the Tigers are uh, – obviously have had one of the greatest seasons in their program's history so far. They are about a seven-point favorite uh, coming into the SEC title game uh, being played back in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Coach, what uh, what are your thoughts heading into this one? What does Georgia need to do in order to slow down Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and uh, the rest of those LSU receivers, and not to mention uh, their amazing tailback Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Well, I think um, I think they're going to have to rely heavily on man coverage. I think they're going to have to put a lot of trust in those cornerbacks and safeties, and um, really do a good job of with their sub packages and things like that. And their front seven, front six is going to have to. They're going to have to stand their ground. They're going to have to defend the run, and they're just going to have to play the defense that they've been playing all year long. And if LSU is going to get points, they're going to have to earn them. And by earn them, I mean. 10 play, 11 play, 12 play drive, uh, make them make them get their yards in small chunks, make them earn every inch they get. And and uh, that usually increases the chances of mistakes. And so that's kind of what Georgia has to do to slow them down. Also, a, a great thing to help slow them down is if Joe Burrow's not on the field, guess what he can't do? He can't score touchdowns if he's not on the field. So Georgia's offense is going to really have to kind of step it up and get first downs. They don't necessarily have to light the scoreboard up. They just got to stay on the field. Yeah, they got to hold the ball. And one of the things that uh, usually helps holding the ball is a good running game. What is the status of DeAndre Swift for this weekend? Uh, he's going to be a go. He's practiced all week. He's he's uh, He's been dealing with a shoulder injury since the Notre Dame week. So it's mm-hmm. something that's uh, – he just re-aggravates it every once in a while. But he, he's – I think he was limited on Monday, and then he's been a full go uh, ever since. And – he is uh, – uh, he's, he's a full go. 
Josh, one of the things that I'm most interested in this game is seeing how Georgia's offensive line, which I think is the strength of their offense this season, goes against the LSU defensive front. Obviously, we know all about uh, LSU's defensive backs between um, Grant Delpit and Derek Stingley Jr. Um, and they always have great linebackers, but the defensive line is, uh, uh, you know, it, I, you're not, I'm not going to say it's weak, but it's probably the weakest part of their defense. Do you see that being a potential issue for them this weekend? No, I, I think, honestly, I think Georgia's offensive line matches up great with LSU's. Uh, LSU's biggest weakness is their defensive front. Yeah, that's what I I'm mean, saying. So is that yeah, going to be LSU's so, downfall this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think if, if Georgia ends up winning that game, I, I think so. So I think it's, you know, it, it bodes well uh, for a struggling offense that uh, your strength faces their weakness, and that doesn't always line up. Uh, and it, it's it's one of those things where all they need, uh, it, if they can get DeAndre Swift going, um, it'll put a lot of pressure on the on the secondary, and then. Um, they'll open up some big plays because the secondary is going to have to kind of have to really pitch in with run support. And that just kind of, that kind of wears your defense down. That kind of puts your coverage into, uh, into a bind a little bit when you're, when you're having to have your secondary guys play uh, heavy run support. Um, what, what makes a great defense is when you don't have to involve the secondary guys too much in run support. And, uh, and that, that can be an avenue for Georgia to, uh, get some yards, get some points, and and uh, mo- more importantly, win the field position battle. Josh, how do you see this game shaking out? Well, I think this one is going to come down to something that Coach will probably like to hear, and that is, do the dogs get after Joe Burrows? Kind of a not really talked about a whole lot, but we're due for a, for yeah. a multi-sack game. Yeah, well, Lord. through through uh, 12 games, LSU has given up 26 sacks. Joe Burrow has been brought down 26 times. And, yeah, okay, Texas early on the season got four, so obviously did they improve? Well, let's look at their last few games. Texas A&M, three sacks. Throw out Arkansas, they're terrible. They didn't sack them. Ole Miss, three sacks. Alabama, five sacks. Auburn, three sacks. Mississippi State, three sacks. You can get to them. Now, they've survived this. They won the shootout with Alabama. They won a gritty game over Auburn, 23-20. But, I mean, there's tape out there. There's stuff you can do to confuse this offensive line. There's stuff you can do to bring Joe Burrows down. And if you do it enough, who knows? Maybe they're able to finally crack that nut. But I, if I'm, you know, Georgia's defensive coordinators, the that side of the ball, I'm having that be our main plan to stop the passing attack because so far no one else has really stopped the passing attack. But if he's on the ground, he probably can't throw it as much. That's also true. So what we're basically saying is that we need to keep Joe Burrow on the sideline and on the ground in order for Georgia to win. Correct. Yep. And DeAndre Swift can help with that. Jordan Davis has been playing phenomenally uh, in the interior of that line. Tyler Clark has come on of late. 
Uh, some of the freshmen, Nolan Smith has been really a uh, big contributor. Jermaine Johnson, the Juco transfer from last chance. You uh, <laughs> has, has, uh, has had some big moments. Uh, Trayvon Walker uh, had a huge sack to in the game against Auburn. Uh, so, so some of the young pups pun intended are, uh, are actually becoming major contributors on the defensive side of the ball, especially inside of the defensive front. So um I'm I'm very excited to kind of see if we can get after Joe Burrow, if we can put some pressure on him, make him uh, at least knock him down, get some hits on him, uh, maybe try to rattle him because as unflappable as he is, he can be rattled uh, because guess what? Um, he's a human. I don't know if you guys know that. No. He, he, he's not a robot. Uh, and so he he's not immune to being rattled. But But for LSU, what they need to do, um, honestly, the, the most important stretch of the game for them is going to be probably the first half of the first quarter uh, because if they can come out and strike early and often, if they, can, if they can build a sizable lead fairly quickly, that will likely demoralize a, a vaunted Georgia defense and they will have a chance to kind of that, – that's kind of where LSU is, is good is they, they had that ability to not only sting you, but then start piling on after that. And so Georgia's got to prevent that too. They've, they've got to stop the bleeding, especially if they score early, uh, because they're going to be fired up. Those fans, those LSU fans, those, those Cajuns are going to be fired up. And, uh, it, you know, LSU is a team that you can't, you can't let them get too much momentum because they will overwhelm you and bury you. Uh, and those big time and those big play receivers will, will have a field day if you, if you let them, but I think this will honestly be uh, the best defense they faced all year. Uh, the second best defense they faced all year was Auburn, and you saw what that happened. Uh, Auburn gave uh, LSU fits. LSU struggled to score, um, struggled to move the ball against Auburn, uh, mostly due to probably the two best defensive tackle tandem um, I've ever seen in college football with uh, Mon- you know with uh, uh, Derek Brown and. Uh, Marlon Davidson. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a fight. Um, it's gonna be a fight. And it's gonna be, um, can LSU force three and outs? If LSU can force three and outs on defense, they will have a huge advantage. If they can score quick and often on offense, they will have a huge advantage. Georgia, make them drive the ball, make them earn their yards. Georgia's offense, stay on the field, play field position, strike when you can, uh, establish the run. And and try to grind this game down, which is is kind of been their mo all year. Well, coach, you just brought up Auburn, and we need to uh, talk about the Auburn Alabama game quickly before we move on, because the Iron Bowl last weekend was another one for the ages. Uh, obviously, Auburn wins a crazy, crazy game, forty-eight, forty-five, after Alabama uh, kicker uh, doinks it with about two minutes left to tie up the game. I mean, we were all obviously rooting for Auburn to win just because we didn't feel like we wanted to see Alabama again, especially in the playoff. But, um, you know, personal feelings aside, Coach, what did you make of this game? I loved it. Uh, I loved every it was, it was It was fun. I mean, Matt, it was back and forth. Matt, um, Matt Jones actually did not have that bad of a game outside of two absolutely crippling pick sixes. This, this one was really goofy. It like hit the back of the player. Oh, I know. It was it was, just, it was a horrendous throw. Yeah. But um, 
I I've, I kind of I went into the game rooting for Auburn, mm-hmm. uh, and then I just kind of started enjoying the game and just you know Auburn would score to take the lead and I'd be like, okay, what's Alabama going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Oh, Alabama scored. Okay, how's Auburn answer? Okay, they're going to ice the kicker. Oh, oh, we missed it. Um, you know, I, I just kind of like it, it, it kind of had me interested and it kind of made me forget who I was rooting for because it was just such a great, great back and forth game. I thought Gus Malzahn did a tremendous job uh, coaching against Saban. Saban did a tremendous job up until the end. Um, Auburn was the beneficiaries of what I think has been described as one of the worst officiating calls of all time. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Bo Nix, which one, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Uh, the one right before half where they put the extra second on the, on the clock. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty, pretty bad, mm. um, to, to be mild about it. But, um, I won't, I won't dive into that cause I, we could spend a whole show just on, just uh, on I, I didn't know if you're, I didn't know if you're an Alabama truther regarding the, uh, too many men on the field. Oh no, no, that was uh <laughs> that was a good call by Auburn. Uh that was that was a good trick. Uh good good thing. Um that was actually uh a good I think Saban was just mad because he got out coached on that in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um so that that was not a bad call. I think that I think they, they earned that one and uh hats off to Auburn there. Um so but I just thought it was a really good game plan. I thought Auburn um I thought Auburn needed to uh, play like they did in the second half in the fourth quarter of the Georgia game, and they did. Uh, Bo Nix played phenomenally most of the night. And uh, hats off to him. Jatarvius Whitlow had a great game. He was hard to stop, hard to tackle. And they just, you know, they just got momentum, and they just kept riding it. Yep, absolutely. Um, that, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, another game that was pretty fun for this past weekend was Memphis-Cincinnati. And they're going to play again this coming weekend because, of course, it's always fun to have teams play each other uh, on back-to-back weekends. This will be the American title game, uh, and it's being played at the Liberty Bowl. Um, Cincinnati has to uh, head to Memphis two weeks in a row now. That's uh, a little bit interesting. Luckily, they're you know, not too, too far from each other. Uh, Last weekend, Josh, we saw Memphis, you know, win, uh, you know, it it was, it was kind of close 34, 24, but it was still a, uh, it it was a fun game and Memphis looked like the better team. Do you think that they saved uh, enough? One of the questions you asked me uh, on our preview show was if you sort of save some plays for the title game. Do you think they saved enough, or do we think that Cincinnati is going to bounce back and win the conference title? Well, I don't know if they'll win the conference title, um, but one thing Cincinnati can do to bounce back, and the law of averages says three turnovers, two interceptions, one fumble. Got to clean that up to even have a chance. And the fact that they only lost by 10 points and were playing really hard and almost came all the way back from a, a you know, 14 point deficit after the first quarter speaks volume to how good this Bearcat team can be when they're not shooting themselves in the foot. So uh, that's one thing to clean up without winning the turnover margin. Maybe that's enough to, uh, you know, to create some fear for those Memphis Tiger fans. But I do think Memphis just looks 
uh, a little faster. Looks like offense comes a little easier to them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like they're grinding as much. So I would pick Memphis to win. Helps that they're getting it at home. Um, but I don't expect this to be a blowout where Memphis was slow playing them a week ago and then suddenly has like a revelation this week with all new plays and turns it on and the final score is 50 to seven. Cincinnati is a good team. They just played like crap a week ago. Coach. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, even though Memphis is, they're, they're on fire right now too. I mean, they're playing extremely good football. Um, But like Josh said, you can't turn the ball over three times. Um, and expect to win against a quality opponent. You can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win against an opponent like South Carolina. Um, <laughs> you, uh, they have to play extremely clean football. Um, and I, I think this is this was a good way to, uh, you know, I think they got a lot of good film now. They can correct some mistakes and they can, um, and I think Cincinnati has a much better chance uh, now than they did um, a week ago, I think. Um you know, they're very fortunate in that situation to where they get to play them twice. Now they can correct some things and uh, readjust some things based on what Memphis gave them and uh, figure out how to stop them on offense and how to how to stop them from being so explosive. So, um, you know, Luke Fickle's going to earn his going to earn his salary here um, and he's going to earn the chance to audition for some for some bigger jobs. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to I still think Memphis is going to win. Uh, because they're just so explosive right now. Um, and I think they just don't match up well with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati, this is probably uh, – they, they struggle with quick scoring offenses like that. And, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be much of the same, truthfully, and unfortunately for Cincinnati. I think one of the intriguing things about this game <coughs> is uh, Memphis is currently in the running to be the group of five representative and so if you consult your cfp rankings which we obviously love all three of us are big fans of the the playoff system but uh memphis is the current leader in the clubhouse at 17th in the country boise state at 19th but boise state won't get to play a ranked team this week so it's really memphis's to lose um and so what I'm getting at that's intriguing is they win this game. They're going to be playing the Cotton Bowl, which is after January 1st, or maybe it's on January 1st. I forgot the exact date, but played in one of the last bowl games. Yeah, I think it's the second. If you're Florida State or Ole Miss, do you wait that entire time? Or do you make an offer and hope that Mike Norvell is – a Brett Bielema level a-hole of abandoning the team right before their biggest bowl game in school history. Or especially if you're Ole Miss's case, like, I don't know, going from Memphis to Ole Miss feels like a lateral move. Actually, Josh, I just did a little research, a little, uh, sh- uh, little note for you. Cotton Bowl is early this year. It's on December 28th. Ooh. I mean, that's still pretty late. I, I think Norvell's going to end up at Florida State. Yeah. So does he does he bail or does Florida State wait? Florida State waits probably. Ooh. But then what happens if the uh, the package they offer him he doesn't like? Yeah. Could be a whole could be a whole domino effect. 
Maybe well, maybe he's waiting an extra year for Clay Helton. That that's just what yeah. Florida State's gonna have. Florida State can offer him. If Florida State wants him, they'll get him. All right. You think? I think. Okay. I'm curious to see how that uh how Either that all- or they'll get prime time. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh Lord. Prime you, baby. <laughs> Prime you. Prime you. (laughs) Good God. Um, Anyhow, um, while we are at it, uh, let's then head, uh, speaking of the ACC, to the ACC title game. Clemson taking on Virginia, Josh, who just won the Commonwealth Cup for the first time in, what, about 15 years? That is what the scroll said. Yeah, so uh, any chance that Clemson even keeps it close this weekend? (laughs) Because I don't... was that was that a slip of the tongue or are you going all in in Virginia? Oh yeah, sorry. I meant I I I, I cannot believe what I just said. Mendenhall, uh, baby. I mean Bronco. Bronco. Hey, he's doing one heck of a job A-C-C. down there. A-C-O. I guess I guess it's up there because <laughs> I live in Tennessee and Virginia's north of Tennessee. I think they keep it fairly close. I don't think it's going to be as big of a blowout as it was against Pitt because Virginia is actually a pretty quality team. Um, they'll get yeah, overwhelmed I mean, late, but it'll be it'll be tight for a minute. Well, here's the thing: if my you're cousin, my, my my cousin Bryce, have anything to do with it? Well, that's the thing. That's about where I was going to go. Is you know, Clemson, one of their biggest strengths for the last several years of championship level play has been pass rush, deadly offensive line. What's the best way to neutralize that? Have a stud at quarterback who is so mobile he uh reminds me in some ways of michael vick when he was at virginia tech uh in terms of his his, he almost beat florida state by himself yeah so i mean that elusiveness that athleticism uh his wheels are amazing that one run against the Hokies, uh he just looked like a track star that is like used to running in the Olympics and thought it'd be fun to run in like a high school four by 100 and just <laughs> dusting the field. Um, so that is something. The other thing is, let's be honest, Clemson hasn't been tested in weeks and weeks and weeks since they had a really lazy game against North Carolina. Other than like that, September. yeah, other than that, they've played one ranked opponent this year. Texas A&M, who I do not believe Texas A&M is no longer ranked. <laughs> like uh, that ranked would be a no. Time, so how, they were you... they were ranked at the time, but um, yeah, I mean, here's their. There was also a their... time this year where Syracuse and Maryland were ranked. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, and then not only that, but you just count the number of bowl teams that they have played. A&M. Charlotte, North Carolina, Louisville, BC, and Wake. The so ACC six, actually has the most bowl eligible teams of any conference this year. But which even is weird with, because they're the worst. I know, but even with that, they only played six teams that even made bowl games. Georgia Tech nowhere sniffing a bowl. Florida State didn't sniff a bowl. Wofford, FCS team, <laughs> NC State, awful. South Josh, you're trying to tell me that FCS teams are not bowl eligible? I know. South Carolina somehow riding the Will Muschamp train somehow. 
Um, this was a bad schedule. They are untested. We don't know their response if Virginia is up by seven in the third quarter. We, we don't know what, you know, that will look like. And that can sometimes be scary when you are the, you know, anointed team. Everyone has you in the playoffs. Everyone has you as one of the title favorites. And you just haven't been tested. That can be scary. Coach? I mean, Josh has a point. It's going to be scary. Um, but, you know, you, you take all that and you say, okay, well, yeah, they've played some crappy teams, putting, to put it mildly. Um, but, 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 but this offense is the same offense that won a national t- title uh, a year ago. They didn't lose a whole lot off that offense. Um, so they, they're very explosive. They have an extremely talented sophomore quarterback who's going to leave for the NFL after his third year. They have Travis Etienne. They have uh, playmakers at receivers and T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Amari Rogers. Um, they're just loaded at all the offensive skill positions. So I find it, I mean, even though they haven't re-tested, those guys on offense have been tested because they had to go through the playoff stretch a year ago. So it's not new to them, this, this scenario. Um, now their defense, I would love to see how they, res- they respond to being tested because a lot of those guys are new, especially the D-line and, and a couple of linebackers because they lost a lot to graduation and the NFL draft. So um, the defense is actually what I'm more worried about with Clemson, um, but their offense, I'm not overly worried about them. They will be fine. They will do their thing, even if they start slow. They'll pick it up in the second quarter, and and then they'll they'll start to overwhelm Virginia, and it it will it will start tight and be tight for a little while, and then I think once halftime rolls around, they'll make some adjustments, and bam, they'll just they'll be all over. All right, all right. Well, uh, from there, then let's head down. Uh, I guess back in time, but across the country to Friday night where Utah and Oregon will be squaring off in Santa Clara at uh, Levi's Stadium for the Pac-12 crown. Utah uh, with a victory and uh, a victory by LSU in the SEC title game all but guarantees themselves a spot in the college football playoff, Josh. Um, A, is Utah, if they beat Oregon, are they deserving? And I guess the first question should be, B, can they even beat Utah in this? I'm sorry, can they beat Oregon in this spot? Ooh, those are some fun questions. Uh, let's start with the first one. Is Utah deserving? I think that is a very clear yes. The Pac-12 has had some issues, admittedly, this year, and they did lose to the USC. Um, but they beat their schedule. So if you have Clemson with that god-awful schedule, then by all means you need to have Utah also in that mix. And this gets into, does the regular season count? Do you value wins in the regular season? Do you value conference titles? Because if you don't, well, then just grab Alabama again. Grab Oklahoma even if they lose to Baylor. Grab three SEC teams. Grab the loser of the title game and Bama. 
call it good. But if you do value conference championships, which the committee is supposed to do, and values winning the regular season, by those definitions, Utah very much is a contender to make the college football playoffs. As for them beating Oregon, um, it's an intriguing game because Utah looked really good at the start of the season kind of had a little bit of a hiccup with USC struggled just a tad with Washington state at times, Arizona state, kind of a sleepy win Washington, a narrow game, but then they've turned it on their last three games. So is Utah back Oregon's the opposite. Oregon lost a couple weeks ago to Arizona state. They struggle a little bit with Oregon state in the rivalry game, barely beat that Washington team. Um, I don't know what Oregon team is showing up. A bear was supposed to be a Heisman candidate. (laughs) Not going to happen. They don't have a thousand yard back. They're not a particularly great running team. And Utah has nasty defense. And the best player on the field for my money is Zach Moss, the Utah running back. And there's the old adage, if you have the best player in the game, you have a great chance at winning. So I, I think Utah has a great chance at winning. Do they crack that top four? We'll see. But I, I, I think they're at least deserving for a look. I, I agree that they're deserving for a, a look here, Coach. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, Utah's – the two times I've watched him, I've really watched him this year – uh, because a lot of times by the time Pac-12 After Dark is happening, I'm I'm watching uh, opponent film or I'm watching the back of my eyelids. And the two times I've really watched Utah, I've been utterly impressed. Uh, Moss has been a tremendous running back. He, he's, extre- he's, he's very exciting to watch. Their defense is suffocating. They, they don't play Pac-12 defense, which is refreshing. I, I think Utah – if they weren't named Utah, if they mm-hmm. weren't the Utes, if no, they if, Utah, if, if, if they were even like, if they were even Arizona state, yeah, they if, would, if, they would get more if, respect. If they were a traditional PAC 12, uh, old school PAC 10, there's no doubt they'd be playing the way they're playing. There's no doubt they'd be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt. But and Tyler Huntley, their, their their quarterback has been so efficient. He's completing seventy six percent of his passes this year. That's impressive. He has I don't two picks. Yeah, two picks. Uh, I'll tell you the more. You slice it and dice it. That's impressive uh, against. I don't care who you're playing against. That's impressive. He averages eleven point one yards per attempt. I'll tell you the more likely scenario, unfortunately, for all of our Utah fans out there. Um, uh, let me, I'll hold on. Played, and then. Utah, or excuse me, Oklahoma goes out and does the Ohio State thing from a few years ago and drops Baylor like 50 to nothing, then all the style points are going to favor Oklahoma. So really Utah's best path is no upsets. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson all win. Baylor keeps it close and Utah finds a way to win by at least like two touchdowns so that way they can say hey there's clear separation and we clearly won 
and just hope for the best. But I, I think it's – it reminds me of a few years ago when, uh, like, TCU got inexplicably jumped, and you're like, did you just rank them higher for some drama? Mm, probably they did. Yeah, I would – that wouldn't wouldn't shock me. No, that would not shock me at all. Well, Josh, let's talk about that Big Ten title game. Uh, Badger-Buckeye rematch. I mean, I have no faith that this game is going to be any closer than it was the first time around. It was not. Have the faith. (laughs) Don't don't let me be a bigger Badger fan than you. I mean, (laughs) you know I, I love me some Badger football. And, um, you know, I'm the biggest Badger fan, at least on this show. But, man, Ohio State's a machine. They are a machine. They're they're not not Ivan Drago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because Rocky could make Ivan Drago bleed. I don't think the Badgers can make Ohio State bleed. But they're not playing in Columbus. They're playing in yeah i would rather play on a i would rather play outdoors in columbus than inside a dome against ohio state (laughs) Uh, give me the weather give me the elements give me give me the weather they had in the twin cities last week when wisconsin uh did to the gophers what they deserve every single season in the battle for the axe except that is how that game should look that is how the (laughs) that is the elements in which that game should be played and that is, I mean, that was just a beatdown on all levels. The best receiver on the field last week was not either Rashad Bateman nor Tyler Johnson. It was Quintez Cephas. Quintez Cephas is as good a receiver in the Big Ten as there is. He was manhandling defensive backs. Speaking of defensive backs, Caesar Williams, welcome to the big show. You uh, had an absolute coming out party. One pick, four pass breakups, uh, just one-on-one on Tyler Johnson, locking him down the entire game. That was impressive. That was as good of a game plan as we have seen Jimmy Leonard, the Wisconsin defensive coordinator, come up with against anyone. Plus, Joe Rudolph actually made some smart calls throwing the ball um, because you could see that Minnesota just spent the whole game with eight dudes in the box. So they're like, okay, that's fine. Cephas one-on-one, go get the ball. And that's what they did. It played a couple jump balls, and he was just a bigger man than anyone in the Minnesota Golden Gopher defensive backfield. This weekend, however, <laughs> Ohio State have, has Jeffrey Okuda, who might be the best cornerback in all of college football to lock down Quintez Cephas. A.J. Taylor, uh, uh, one of the Badgers' starting receivers, questionable for the game, not a good sign. But uh, receiver, strangely enough, might be the position that Wisconsin has the most depth at right now. What I'm really concerned about, though, is the fact that in the first game, Joe Rudolph thought it was a smart idea to uh, – block chase young with just the tight end alone that is not going to work they need to double team him on every single play going forward uh coach i mean is, is there any reason that i should feel any any like even a twinge of optimism going into this one as a 16 and a half point dog yes because i'm going to interrupt coach because oh. I, I i follow the big 10 more than coach i'm sorry you could you could chime in after me coach but i do have something so first of all obviously they're going to change their protections against Chase Young. They probably had a little bit of, he can't be as good as advertised. Ah, we'll just do what we normally do. And that got exposed. They're not dumb. They're not doing that again. But what 
Wisconsin needs to do, and this is crazy. I know I'm not the biggest NFL fan, but I was watching a little bit of the most recent Patriots game. It was the Sunday night game and was just kind of unwinding and there's nothing else on. And Chris Collins would have said something uh, quite profound about the Patriots, which Shocking. I think sums up their dynasty so well, which was in order to beat them, your second, third, and fourth options need to have great games. And that's what Wisconsin's going to need to do. We know Ohio State has the talent to lock down Quintus Cephas. We know JTT had a terrible game back Awful. a couple well, months probably ago. Probably the worst game of his collegiate career. Yeah. But here's what Wisconsin didn't do well in that game and what they need to adjust in addition to the protections against Chase Young. Crookshank, probably the fastest badger. It's probably two the best, fastest badger that I've ever seen, quite frankly. Yeah, two two offensive touches. Not good enough. Got to get him more touches in the offensive game. Yeah, but the one touch he had in the offensive game last week, he fumbled against Minnesota. Okay, that game was in the snow. I mean, you, okay. you can't okay, play. Okay, sorry, you, sorry, you, I, I interrupted. Go on. Yeah, you can't play. You can't play scurred, Perko. I, I mean, I am playing. Yeah. <laughs> nobody in 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 this house. Yeah. playing scared. I mean, that's 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 out of the, that's out of the Kirk Ferentz textbook. You fumble once, you don't get to ever get on the field again. Come on. Well, that, that, that's what happened to Crookshank last weekend. He took one shot. He took one snap well, in the Wildcat and uh, botched a, a, a well, the, the mesh point at a read option. And he well, was gone. Then don't do the read option with. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Go on. But anyway, Crookshanks needs to have be more involved than two carries. Danny Davis. Not a bad wide receiver. One catch against Ohio State. That's not going to be good enough. And then it's weird to say that your quarterback isn't one of your premier players, but uh, Cones had a pretty good year. He's had some games where he's been a real difference maker. He was awful against Ohio State. 10 of 17 for 108 yards. He needs to be he needs good to be enough. Jack- he, he needs to be Jackie Heisman. <laughs> he doesn't even need to be that far. He needs to be good enough that Ohio State can't load the box. He needs to be good enough getting the ball to Crookshanks, getting the ball to Danny Davis, finding every now and then the few times where Ohio State messes something up and Cephas is open to force Ohio State to be like, oh, crap, this team could pass on us. I see a big game for Jake Ferguson, the tight end. That, yeah. That's the guy that I see could really exploit Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State has some really great linebackers, but Ferguson is a, is a matchup nightmare. He's, he's yeah. a heck of an athlete. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, lo- they lost 31 points way back earlier in the season. Maybe that happens again. We joked, is it a four-touchdown game in our text thread? But if you're really breaking things down and seeing ways for Wisconsin to have an opportunity in this game, you have to follow, believe it or not, Chris Collinsworth's advice and use your second, third, and fourth options. Use them a lot. Trust that they're not going to fumble the ball and play gutsy and do some different things, break some tendencies, and for the love of God, block Chase Young. 
Preach. Coach, anything to add to that one? Uh, no, just hold <laughs> the ball, play field position, grind them, uh, overwhelm them with your hippo formation, and feed Jonathan Taylor tailback. Yeah, we haven't seen the 32 hippo in a couple games. I'm hoping it makes its triumphant return. Um, one thing I did love to see, though, out of Wisconsin's special teams last week was oh, that revert. Special. Uh, well, they were, no, they ran a reverse on a kickoff to Isaac uh, Garendo, who is a redshirt freshman uh, tailback slash wide receiver out of Indiana, who uh, I think broke the Indiana State record in the 100-meter dash while he was in high school. This kid is an absolute burner. And it was his first collegiate touch, and it went for about 60 yards uh, on, on the, on the uh, reverse on the kickoff. I, I'm hoping that Paul Chris really, really opens up the book uh, opens up that playbook, him and Joe Rudolph get in the lab, uh, get some trick plays going. We know I am expecting Garrett Groshek, the, uh, the third down back that Wisconsin has, uh, to throw at least one pass in this Ooh. game. I'm forgetting what game it was last weekend, but there was a, a, a random game. I'm going to look at the scores from last weekend and see if I can't spot it while I talk about it. But uh, basically a team came out in a pistol with two running backs right next to the quarterback. So it was kind of like a modern take sort of on a wishbone. And the defense was really confused. And they ended up giving it to the not used as often tailback, (laughs) the third down back. And he got a really nice chunk play on it. I think that's something Wisconsin could do with Gorshek and – uh, JTT because you know Ohio State's going to be keyed in on JTT maybe you even have Cone surprise them on like a crucial like third and three and keep it out of that formation I mean who knows do do some stuff to break your tendencies Cone's like definitely going to going to keep it once or twice this week and also because you know he was um, one of the nation's top high school lacrosse players and he's not afraid to take no. a hit he was no. uh he was actually signed to go to Notre Dame to play lacrosse yeah. until he flipped to Wisconsin to play football. Yeah. So uh, looking at the scores last weekend and what games I was watching, I believe it was a little nifty trick play that either Virginia or Virginia Tech ran against each other in the Commonwealth Cup. Well, um... I can't remember. If, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember exactly what it was. But yeah, it was, it was a play that I hadn't really ever seen other than when you watch like old Veer offenses. Uh, Coach, you're running the single wing at all these days? <laughs> I did. I had a single wing type formation. All right. All right. Well, a school that definitely does not run the single wing, that would be Hawaii. And they made it to the Mountain West title game this year. Uh, Unfortunately for them, it's on the Smurf Turf in Mm. Boise, Idaho um, at the, uh, not the big grocery bag, I guess. Theirs would be the the reusable grocery bag, Albertson Stadium, (laughs) Boise, Idaho. Josh, any chance that the Rainbow Warriors can pull off the upset here and go into Boise and win the Mountain West? Well, I guess there's a puncher's chance when you have Cole McDonald with 3,400 passing yards. 
Um, the, the thing that's intriguing to me about this Hawaii team, uh, the offense has remained quite good, but that defense has come around a little bit, especially the last few weeks. They held that pesky army option to just 31 points. They held San Diego State to 11, UNLV to 7 points. A little bit of an issue against San Jose State, but then earlier in the season, for instance, held Nevada to just a field goal. So their defense is not like, you know, we're not talking about, we're not talking about top 20 defense. No, Uh, but this is not a vintage Hawaii defense in the bad way. Exactly right. It's one of those old, like, whenever I did the team previews, I would talk about, well, you know, the defense finished, you know, 115th a year ago. If they had just finished 75th, how many more wins would they have had? That's what Utah, or excuse me, that's what Hawaii did. We're not talking about having a leap where suddenly they're the 85 Bears, but they're not inept anymore. So with a little bit better defense and that offense, yeah, I think you have a puncher's chance. I think the other thing with Boise State is this isn't the dominant, world-beating Boise State, like, lock them in to win every game. They've had a marvelous season. 11-1 and is great but it's been a little bit of a grind. They lost that BYU game. They really struggled a week ago against Colorado State. They nearly lost to Wyoming. They also had a shootout with the San Jose State team, by the way. I don't know how the San Jose State team played so competitively against the two teams in the Mountain West title game despite going two and six in conference. That's funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, they. I think the other aspect about this Boise State team – by the way, they also struggled with Marshall in a 14-7 to win. But I think the other aspect about this Boise State team is in the past, they've knocked off multiple ranked teams. They played the epic game to start the season. And they did have that, except it was at Florida State, and Florida State turned out to be a pile of crap. So this Boise State team just doesn't feel like the fiestable teams of old they're a really solid team but i think they are beatable and some of their close calls this year as well as losing the one game to byu uh attest to that so hawaii's got a puncher's chance i also believe hawaii is one of those teams that's already had their bowl uh <laughs> picked they're already in a in a bowl schedule they're are they the really i believe so i believe they're already locked in for the hawaii bowl I mean, that which, makes sense. Which is uh, intriguing because they, uh, <laughs> if they win this game, wouldn't they go to a different bowl? How does I that work? don't think so. I think that they have a they, – I think they have some clause that unless it's a New Year's Six, they, they go to the Hawaii if they're bowl eligible or something like yeah. that. Uh, I, I got to apologize, you guys. This is mea culpa. I – I double checked my notes just now and I realized what I did. There is the Hawaii bowl that already has BYU in it. So I knew that the Hawaii bowl had someone assigned and I had a little moment of cross wiring where I thought Hawaii was the team in a bowl. Unacceptable. I apologize. I will now commit Harry Carey, Harry Carey and uh, well, that, that's going to be a real problem for me and coach because uh, we really need you to talk about the Mac. Uh, we really need prob- you to- 
it'll be a real problem for my chair too. This is a comfortable chair. I don't want to get intestines all over it. Oh yeah, I know that 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 would be terrible. I know I know you've left it to me in the will, so I was really <laughs> hoping to keep that clean. Yeah, that'd be a bitch to 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 clean and get it really all, all the stains out. It really I, would. I might just have to reupholster it at that point. God, that's such a hassle. Though I mean, I don't even have an upholstery guy here. Come on, man. <laughs> Well, um, let's talk about the so Sun Belt. Thoughtful of you, Josh. I know. The uh, fun Belt. In, in a complete non sequitur, let's talk about the Fun Belt. The Fun uh, Belt. Fun Belt title game. App State, Ooh. Raging Cajuns of, of Louisiana. Lafayette. Um, uh. App State uh, hosting the game up there in Boone. But this is going to be a fun one, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, App State, with their just just one loss on the season, they've been ranked in the in, in the 20s for most of the second half of the season. Um, Louisiana, though, uh, they have quietly rattled off six consecutive victories after losing to that App State team um, back there um, in um, uh, back, like back on the October, second weekend of September. October. Yeah, yeah, October 9th. So uh, they've been on quite a roll, including beating ULM last weekend, uh, 31-30, which was uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Uh, Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, uh, 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 six and a half minutes left in the game, um, the Raging Cajuns kicker put them up 31-30, which ended up being the winning score in the game. But... Uh, this weekend, though, uh, is going to pit two teams that both have, um, you know, are, are, are both pretty, pretty well-rounded. Coach, uh, do you have a lean on this one? Is there a chance that Louisiana can, you know, pull off the victory on the road? Uh, I mean, I would like to say yes, because it would make for an exciting football game. But App State is just, they're a different animal at home. And, and I think it's, man, I just, I think they're going to, I think they're just too good. I think App State is a team that took down the mighty Gamecocks in South Carolina. Something um, Georgia couldn't do. Something Georgia couldn't do. Uh, that's that's two South Carolina references I've made this show. Um, I think it's – I made one about Will Mustram. And so, yeah, this uh, is, is this Gamecock Central? But no, App, State is just, <laughs> App State is just talented all over the field, and that goes a long way um, in these – a group of five conferences, you know, and I think they do a good job recruiting. I think they do a good job of coaching those guys up. And I think um, the program, it just speaks volumes of where the program was when Satterfield left it, when he went to uh, Louisville. Yeah, I agree with coach app is, uh, is another animal. This is going to be tough, but I love to play devil's advocate. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some reasons why raging Cajuns not only will hang around, but can potentially win. Uh, we talked about Hawaii not being like an amazing defense, but have improved a little bit. Louisiana is one of those teams with a damn good defense. They're giving up just 17.8 points per game. And you sort of saw that back when these teams met previously app was held to 17 points is a real grind for the Mountaineers. What didn't go right in that matchup for Louisiana was what they like to do on offense, which is run, run, run. They are a pretty good running team, sixth in the country, 274 yards rushing O per game. Well, they only had 123 in that matchup. And that kind of destroyed everything they like to do, which is be a time possession game, 
Well, they only had 25 minutes of possession. They like to string drive togethers. Well, they were 4 of 13 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth. So if you're Louisiana, you need to have your defense play lights out just like they did back in October, but they need that running game to get going a whole lot better than it did. I know it's going to be tough. App State also has a really good defense. They're great at home. Um, but this is one of those cases where it wasn't a blowout last time they played. So I don't think it's like Wisconsin where they need to break tendencies. I think Louisiana needs to do what brought them here, but just do it a lot better and find ways to make things better than they were back in October. Still probably not going to be enough to win, but I think the Raging Cajuns make this a fun game. Speaking of uh, rematches and title games, uh, Big 12 title game is going to pit Baylor and Oklahoma against each other. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks back, Baylor hosted College Game Day. They had a big old lead on the Sooners going into the second half, but uh, Oklahoma ended up prevailing 34-31 um, after uh, being down 31-10 to at halftime. Uh, so, Josh, I'm going to ask you the same question here. What does Baylor need to do in order to uh, pull off the loss against, pull off the win against the team that they lost to earlier in the season? Well, they got a million first half turnovers, it felt like. So, they need to do really well in the turnover margin again. But then in the second half, they totally turtled. They got to find a way to stay aggressive. They stopped running the ball in the second half and were just doing a bunch of passes. Uh, so, they got to figure that out. They need to trust their players. Um, I remember that Oklahoma game, their first run of the second half went for like 30 yards, but the kid got popped and fumbled. They didn't hand the ball off to him the rest of the game. And like, that's just plain scurred. Like <laughs> just, but the big thing is they're going to need turnovers. The only reason that game was close or they ever built that lead in the first half was Oklahoma was sloppy with the ball. Coach. I think that if uh, Oklahoma does not spot Baylor a 31 to 10 lead with like a gajillion turnovers and they take care of the ball and play do what they do, they'll be just fine. Baylor, Baylor's not used to being in these situations. Um, Matt Rule totally panicked last time he was in this situation. They did not know what to do. They 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 just look shell-shocked and like, oh, my God, we're up. Oh, oh, oh we got to hold on to this league. We can't let it go. Oh, no, what we do? Oh, crap. We're like, oh, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're winning. Yeah, we're winning. They, they just ran the gamut of emotions, and they were so excited and then so determined to not lose it that Oklahoma's like, no, okay, 31-10. Okay, all right, well, um, Jalen, you want to get this one? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, Jalen, you go get this one. Okay, all right, uh, CD. Okay, CD, you got the next two. Okay. Well, they didn't even have CD in that game. That's the thing. That's what makes <laughs> me think that Oklahoma is just going to absolutely wipe the floor with them in this one because they didn't even have CD Lamb against Baylor and they still won. And CD was like, you know what? I ain't playing, but uh, <laughs> Jadon, you got these. <laughs> and they just, so it's, it's unreal. Like, they would paint on the sideline and every, every single person on that Oklahoma sideline was stone-faced, no panic. Lincoln Riley was not screaming and ranting and raving to anybody. He was just, it was just like the game was tied zero, zero the whole time. 
And that's what you got to have. Um, because in the Big 12, there are wild point spring, point uh, swings, not springs, but swings. Um, and you have to be equipped to deal with these heavy ebbs and flows. Um, because if you're not, those ebbs and flows will turn into just big ebbs or big flows. And you don't want to be on the wrong end of one of those flows. You don't want from to be progressive. Understood. Yeah. So what happens? <laughs> I don't is, want to be on the wrong end of flow from progressive. That's for darn sure. <laughs> what happens is, um, they she flow comes to visit you, and she just incessantly tries to sell you insurance until you're so annoyed that you're distracted and you lose. <laughs> it's, yeah. And she berates you too when you don't choose uh, motorcycle insurance too. Oh gosh. Well, speaking of distracted, um, I'm probably gonna be distracted and not watching a whole lot of the Mac title game because seven and five versus eight and four, even though it's central Michigan, it's one of the best stories in college football this year. The chips, uh, the chips after what one and 11 last year, something like that. Uh, hmm. You know, Miami's not a bad story themselves. They've, they've had some lean years. Miami's had in you know Miami's had the best uh, defense in the MAC this year, but it's going to be I imagine it's going to be a relatively low scoring affair in Ford Field on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, um, what I'm a little concerned by is you know me I, I like to look at the schedule and and that you do and be like oh who's coming in hot who's coming in slow. Well, Central Michigan. They've lost once in the last seven weeks. They're coming in with three straight wins, two of them blowouts, one a really nice one-point win at Ball State. I know that doesn't sound great to say a nice one-point win, but Ball State had a pretty nice season. They they were a lot better than they've been recently. Miami of Ohio, last two weeks, almost lost to Akron, who went 0-12. Akron and might then, have been the worst team in college football this year. Uh, I mean, 0-12, they're the only ones who did that. So I mean, yeah, not um, even UMass did that. And then they lost last week at that aforementioned Ball State team. And I know Miami fans are probably going to say, well, you know, we had already clinched the division, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I mean, where's the edge? Where's the competitiveness? They lost 41-27 down in Muncie. And so I, I'm just not really liking this vibe of this Miami team the last few weeks. Uh, Central's coming in a little hotter. The game's in Detroit. It's never a very well-attended game, but based on ease of travel, I would assume that the Chips have a little bit more fans than Miami. But I would uh, certainly hope so. But, yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to be kind of a, an interesting game just based on how these two teams wrapped up their seasons. Coach? Anything to add here on this one? I'll be honest. I have nothing when it comes to the MAC championship. I hope it's an exciting game. Well, um, hopefully then you have more to add when it comes to the Conference USA championship ooh, between UAB and Florida Atlantic. Well, you can wait your turn. You're already cutting the line during the Big Ten. Now you get to wait during Conference USA. Coach, UAB. Conference USA is my favorite conference. UAB <laughs> is, is back in the title game. Uh, but they have to contend with Florida Atlantic's offense, um, which has been, you know, another year for the Kiff and another just explosive offense that rolled 
through uh, Conference USA. I mean, in their in the last five games that they've won, they've put up 41, 35, 37, 40, and 34 points. Uh, I mean, what does um, you know what what could UAB do to slow them down here? Ooh, um, they're going to have to get pressure uh, in the pass game. Um, they're going to have to disrupt uh, the run game. They're going to have to keep Florida Atlantic. Uh, they're going to have to win first down. They're going to have to force FAU into second and longs and third and longs. Um, and then uh, I say I feel like I say this a lot, but it's very true. Um, they have to uh, stay on the field offensively, and they have to win the field position battle. They have to make Florida Atlantic drive. They have to they have to 80 yard, 70 yard, 90 something yard drives. I mean, they have to, they have to win the field position battle and it's going to come down, you know, they're going to have to be solid in all three phases uh, because um, against teams that are explosive, you have to play great complimentary football. And if UAB has, wants to have a chance of not letting this thing slip away um, because they don't have any elite defensive unit. They don't have an elite offensive unit. They're solid everywhere but they don't have any unit to lean on so they have to really play complimentary football georgia has a, a, a defense that they can lean on um so georgia's defense can hold lsu at bay until the offense gets it figured out uab is not going to have that luxury so they're going to have to get creative in how they pressure the quarterback how they how they stop the run how they win first down things like that josh floor is yours now yeah, what is so intriguing to me about this game was how UAB even got here. So UAB <laughs> won out. They won three straight games, UTEP, Louisiana Tech, at North Texas. That Louisiana Tech game, critical. That gave them the head-to-head tiebreaker over Louisiana Tech, who also went 6-2 and two in conference. But what's crazy is Louisiana Tech lost two of their final three. And then way back middle of the season, UAB got blowed out by Southern Mississippi 37-2. to Southern Miss was in great position to win the division as well. They lost their final two games. Uh, so UAB just steady as she goes, navigating these troubled waters and somehow finding their way into the Conference USA title game. Uh, I think Florida Atlantic is – better and i think coach laid that out for you but a really intriguing thing to point out florida atlantic is only four and two at home and this game is being played on their home field so if you're looking for something unique about it there you go all right well that is every title game that is going on this weekend guys uh josh do you have any final do you have any final words before we sign off well yeah that's not every game i said every title game i did not say every game yeah because i mean are we doing an army navy preview we'll do an army navy week from now yeah we'll do an army navy preview next week um, All right. Before, before the game kicks off, shall we talk about our good friends down in the FCS? I think we should because, uh, you know, even though playoffs, playoffs, um, because uh, the first weekend of games are done, 
and uh, uh, now all the seeded teams are going to have to get into the mix. Um, not a lot of really big upsets last weekend, Josh. Uh, Northern Iowa, your, uh, your Purple Panthers won. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they brought a nasty defense in that game. They stoned San Diego 17-3. to Defense is portable. Maybe they get it done up at the Jackrabbits. We'll see. It's a conference uh, I, game. It's a conference yeah. game. Um, James Madison is incredible, which kind of we've talked about because they are the overall two seed. But uh, I thought Monmouth looked really good mm-hmm. against Holy Cross. So, you know, maybe there's going to be a crazy blow your bracket up, rip them all up. You were out of the office pool upset there with Monmouth. Who knows? Well, we were all on that Austin P bandwagon and they backed up the, the truck governors. 42 to six over Furman. They now, now they get to travel to the capital of the golden state, Sacramento, Ooh, Sacramento. Uh, this weekend uh, to play an upstart Sacramento state team that's seated fourth, but you got to like the way the governors are looking coach. Yeah. I mean, I expect for them to do well, but not that come. well. Mm-hmm. 42 to six. The most fun game of the weekend, though, might have been Southeastern Louisiana versus Villanova. Um, Is it a basketball game? (laughs) 45-44, Southeastern Louisiana wins this one. It's a Wisconsin basketball game. That is – yes. Don't don't get me started on Wisconsin basketball. They are so bad. They are so, so, so bad. Anyway, um, yeah, in this one, uh, Southeast Louisiana uh, scored a touchdown with other three minutes left to go up. They were down 38-44 and they, uh, to go ahead 45-44. Um, but, man, this was a, a, an absolute wild game. But this coming uh, weekend, um, Josh, which seeded team do you think is most likely to be upset? Hmm. Well, I do think Austin Peay's intriguing because yep. they looked really, really good. Um, Kennesaw is a, a rock-steady program heading out to Weber State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is something, though, about Northern Iowa and their portable defense playing a conference foe. So I'm going to be a homer and say, if you're looking for an upset, go with UNI. I picked I picked uh, South Dakota State to make it to the title game, so I'm going to be a different from you on that one, Coach. What about you? Uh, what who do you think uh, has the biggest chance to upset one of the eight seeds this weekend? Kennesaw, Kennesaw, Kennesaw over mm-hmm. Weber. Um, yeah. As much I mean, uh, taking Austin P out of the mix, I'm going to go with Illinois State. Oops. A they play the the lowest ranked of the eight ranked team, Central Arkansas, but that, the that defense pretty darn good. We've seen Illinois State pull off some upsets against FCS, FCS teams and FBS teams, I should say, recently. Uh, don't be surprised if Illinois State uh, heads down there and pulls one off. I'll tell Arkansas. you what to look out for. Central Arkansas, they play with that purple and gray field. Yes, uh, it is not the prettiest of sights. No. Um, there is one last game in the FCS rank that we should probably talk about, unrelated to the playoffs, but that's the oh, SWAC yes title mm-hmm. game yep uh Absolutely. southern southern and alcorn state meeting up in alcorn mississippi yet again this is a rematch from earlier in the season that alcorn won um but 
Southern's still a really good team. They were co-champions with the exact same record. So um, kind of an interesting, interesting battle. Um, looking at the stats from their previous game, um, Alcorn couldn't do a damn thing offensively and lost 27-13. 75 rushing yards on 27 carries. Oof. Oof. They, played, they played two quarterbacks. Uh, generated 209 passing yards between them and two picks. Oof. So um, not not a banner day for the Southern offense. So if Southern can get their ball moving a little bit and put some points up, I think they can hang in this game a little bit more. But um, certainly going into Alcorn is not going to be easy. But that's always a fun one with the bands and the um, – I think it's one of the few games – that you could say they know it's not a national title. They know it's not <laughs> this college football playoffs, but Dan, they play with pride and it's going to be a fun one and certainly find some time to check it out at 3 PM central time on ESPNU. Yeah. There, there are no other games possibly going on then. <laughs> it's called setting up two TVs. It's called, <laughs> called having the jump button i mean i hope ashley and tim have uh, about six screens going so um i'm gonna need you to work on that i i I will uh i i will tim's already said that they're definitely gonna have the uh the memphis game on because ashley's family are all memphis fans so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get the sec championship game going on another tv and we'll and, and we'll be okay you and i will just go to the upstairs tv where no one else knows where it is and we can hide out avoid everyone else and watch football so um i think that's gonna do it then for us here this weekend or it's not this weekend but for tonight on the illegal motion college football podcast so on behalf of our own offensive coordinator the coach Corey burton here in nashville tennessee and our intrepid blogger from big ten and counting josh cook up there in chicago illinois this is the professor in the windy city not in the Windy City, the music city. That's me. I am losing my brain tonight. Well, you know. Saying so long and see you next time. Maybe I'll be in the Windy City next time you see me. Who knows? On the Illegal yeah. Motion College Football Podcast. Yeah, Chicago on your brain because you're watching the Bears. The Bears. The Bears, the Bears and the Bears on Thursday night football. Jason Witten, Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky, and a fresh bratwurst. <laughs> Go Bears. Who do you think's a who do you think's a better announcer for these Thursday or Monday night games? Joe Buck or Booger McFarland? A uh, Booger McFarland, uh he I'll go with uh dub Booger because he, he delivers such insight as uh if the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett, they're gonna have to look for a new coach. question well booger mcfarland just blocked you on twitter for that comment <laughs> sorry booger i had to well for those of you not uh, privy to the inside joke uh the uh the best part of the Bill Simmons podcast is Cousin Sal. Oh, yes. And, and Cousin Sal made a comment about Booger McFarland on Monday Night Football. He got blocked. <laughs> Booger McFarland blocked him. 
<laughs> Cousin Sal's a freaking comedian on the late uh well, the late show with Jimmy Jim Kimmel. Kimmel. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lord. That's funny. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.